Why, hello, everyone. Now, you see, the Chili Crew has not been able to meet like they normally do, so we've been forced to make episodes based upon some of our live casts we've done on the Facebooks. Now, I may not understand all the technical know-how and terminology, but I believe one of the Chili Crew has informed me that because they're taking these episodes from their live cast, some of the audio might sound like it's coming from a rotary phone. I don't see what the problem is. Rotary sounded absolutely fine to me. Oh, right, right. So anyway, please forgive some of the uh, uh, breaks and conversations you might hear from time to time. But just know we're doing our best to make it sound wonderful. And by the way, if you'd like to join the conversation, they go live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Listen, we've been praying for all of you, and we hope that all of you are staying safe and staying healthy. And until we meet again, please keep the conversation going. We love you and enjoy. And just as a personal side note, we have been recording some new episodes, so very soon we'll be back to normal. Well, back to normal for the Chili Crew, that is. Before we get into it, let's go ahead and uh, lead off with some prayer. Israel, you want? We haven't seen you in a little bit. You want to lead us off? Yeah. All right. Um, Lord, thank you so much for us guys here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this time, Lord, that people are dealing with the difficulties, Lord. That this might just be a little bit of a distraction and encouragement to people, Lord. Um, I just pray, Lord, for this to reach and for your conversation to be edifying. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> okay, so for the last quarantine, all of quarantine, we've been walking through, discussing Christ's character, discussing different aspects of walk with Christ. When I was young, this concept that we're talking about tonight was brought up, brought before me, and that's what led me to God. When one of the church elders took me into the room and and led me down the Romans road, and so tonight we wanted to. Uh, give you guys the opportunity to walk down that with us. And we're going to um, just see what the Romans road is, what it all entails and uh, learn as we go and let everyone know who's, who's on the air with us. Uh, this is Justin. This is Wayne. Hi, this is Israel. Yeah. And this is Tom. Let's go ahead and get right into it with the, the first verse, Romans 3.23, I believe. You want to read it there for us, Justin? Sure. We're going to read a little bit before, a little bit after, because we found out when we were studying for this that we lose kind of the meaning when we just read the verse outright. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to read a little bit before. So I have Romans 3.21, and then I'll go from there. Now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ in Jesus Christ to all and on, on and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his by his grace, meaning Christ's grace and God's grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Bring up the last part there. This is verse 26. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just 
and the justifier that one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So the main verse there, uh, the first one would be uh, Romans 3.23, which is, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, Wayne brought up a really good question here. Oh, um, I think uh, for a lot of people, they, they would say, well, what is sin? What does that mean? What does that entail? I mean, I looked up a definition for it. Um, it's, it talks about sin as an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law in the eyes of God. I have a Bible verse on that, on what sin is. Okay, so in 1 John 3, verse 4, it says, Whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And the obvious question is, is what law? And so that would be the Ten Commandments. The, the Ten Commandments. And anybody can read the, the full Ten Commandments and the disclosure of the Ten Commandments on uh, Exodus chapter 20. And it talks about all of them. I mean, it's talking about having no other gods before him. Um, I'm not worshiping idols, don't murder, don't steal. I mean, all of those, all of those things. So, so sin, I guess, would in its mm -hmm. simplest definition would be the transgression of, of the moral law that God has put in place, which would be the Ten Commandments. Okay, I have a follow-up question for that. Since that is what sin is, can a person accidentally sin? So, so that's a good question, and I would say uh, yes. But I think a more important question to that would not be, can somebody accidentally sin? Because actually, Scripture says that we're all born into sin. It's a natural thing that ends up happening in our lives. It's just, it's just we're there. But I think the bigger question is, will we be held responsible for a sin we are unaware of? When I was younger, I remember being in um, my, old, my old Spanish church. Long, long story short, I remember asking that kind of question, and there is a time that we're in now with dispensation, in the dispensation of grace, but there was a time where, in the Old Testament, where God didn't speak for 400 years, and then there was a time when God didn't, um, there wasn't the Bible, and now are all those people going to hell because they didn't have the Bible? No, there was a different, there's a different type of judgment for them. There's a, um, so like you got Moses there kept the law but they're not people sin back then but what they didn't know God's not going to judge you on back then we're in a different time now in the dispensation of grace where we're supposed to go out and share the gospel and we're like at some point I'm I don't know I don't know if everyone on earth is going to know the word by someone sharing to them but at some point the gospel is going to be available to every man and woman on earth. And that you're not going to have that excuse like, I didn't know. I, I would I would agree with that, but I would I would slightly modify in, in some of that because uh, Christ actually says that God winks at our ignorance. And, and, and during the time when we did not uh, know. So I, I would say, I mean, just in those verses alone, when it talks about that, it, it would, to me, it, it says that uh, if we are in ignorance and living in sin, then that sin is not, how can we be held accountable for something that, that we just don't understand? Uh, you know what I mean? And, and technically, and once again, though, I would, I would slightly modify, they did have the Bible back then, but they had the Bible written up to a specific point, which would have been, what, Amos or something? The Minor Prophets? I think that's yeah. it. Like that's, they, they had the Bible, 
but they didn't have the New Testament. They just didn't have the rest of it. Well, Abraham didn't have the Bible. Both, you know, they were in the Bible. They were right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but that's a good question. That's a good question, law. though, about what what is sin and whether we're going to be held accountable for it, though, because Scripture tells us for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Uh, in Acts 17, verse uh, 30, I believe. Truly these times of ignorance God looked over, I'm sorry, overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Uh, what he's talking about, if you read the whole chapter there, he's talking about those who are, because this is during the time when Paul was, I believe, in uh, Agapurgius or something like that. I can, I can never pronounce that name. He, Paul was out and about talking to the Romans and, and the Greeks and those who were influenced in that, in that manner. And he said, I want to talk to you about the unknown God. And then he said, you know, talk, the God that created everything, da, 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 da. And he says, but God, even though you did not know who the unknown God was, God is winking at this time of ignorance. But now that you know, you are now held responsible for the decision that you're going to make right now to choose him or not. That's what it's talking about. So like during these times of ignorance of, you know, whether we, I mean, the question was, you know, okay, so what is sin? You know, what happens if we don't know if we're committing a sin, which is a great question. Apparently God, like he looks at those times of ignorance and says, okay, I'm letting it go this time because you just don't know. So I have it up here and it says that we're all sinners by nature and by choice. So if we know, if, if we know that sin is sin and we're not ignorant, why would we choose? Why would we make the choice to sin? I, I always I wanted to answer that one question going back. You know, people's hearts are corrupt easily. And Paul talks about we deceive ourselves into and we can fall into this notion where we start to try to cl to to clarify God or think about the divine with our God with our worldly minds. We try to put God in some kind of human box. Like, why would God send Jesus to Earth, or why would why would God want require us to accept salvation? We don't right. understand it. No, can I can I just comment one more time on yeah. that? The thing I'm thinking about most, and I was thinking about last night, the Romans road is a it's it's a plan. It's a plan of salvation. It's God's plan of salvation. And there may be someone in Israel, you touched on this and you made me think these thoughts. That's good. Thanks for coming. If we're introducing someone to Christ, they may not know anything. The culture in which they were raised may be a different culture in which you are raised or which I'm raised. I mean, I talk to people all the time that it's just the differences are, it's monumental sometimes. So I, I just started thinking about that. I'm thinking, okay, we're talking about this, this sin, all of sin. And we've already mentioned that they may not even know. And I think that's part of it. This is a hurdle, the first hurdle of introducing someone to Christ, introducing them to the path of salvation. And this is a hurdle you have to go across. I mean, you have to define what sin is. You have to define what the law is. Uh, and this stuff that you introduce has to be done 
extremely patient and extremely, the love has to be there. It's not just a Bible verse. It's what we truly believe and it has to be done in, in love. So moving on to uh, the next verse, Romans 6, 23. Um, Justin, do you have that up or do you need me to read through it? Go ahead and read from 22 through 23. Uh, All right. So we'll start reading uh, Romans 6, verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We had a, a beautiful question or a clarifying question that came out of this sentence or this sentence, this, uh, this passage. Uh, for the wages of sin, what do they mean by the, the wages of sin? I always looked at this as a wage is something that you earn. And when I work, I go earn my wages. And if you're sinning, you're earning what you get. And the wages of sin, sin has a price and it's, it's going to be applied. So when it's all said and done, you're going to get what you, you know, you got coming to you is another phrase. So that's the way I look at it. If you always just focus on the simplicity of it, a wage is something you earn. Yeah, I, I found this definition. I, I kind of like it. Uh, it says the wages of sin is death means your soul dies. And you do not go to heaven and will be separated from God for all eternity. We all die. But this verse is not talking about physical death. It refers to spiritual death of the soul. I mean, that's deep. That's deep. But uh, I think Mike covered that really well with the wages. I mean, you get what you earn. There's a debt to be paid. Yes. You make a thin. And... <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Uh, I got a couple of verses as well. I actually, I was, I was pulling this up and looking, just looking up various verses that I remembered when it came to wages and when it came to, uh, naturally, when we think of wages, wages is what you've been doing, right? What your actions are. Like if I, if I go to work and I put in 40 hours, I get my wages, which are, you know, 40 hours worth of whatever, if they pay me correctly. Uh, I have a couple of verses, and I want to get your guys' input on these verses, too. Uh, in Matthew 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, I believe that goes, that's a double-edged sword there. It's not just talking about reward as in salvation. It's talking about both. Mm -hmm. It's talking about when, when Jesus comes, those, you know, and the, the other verse, I guess the second verse kind of explains that. So let's, let me go ahead and go there. They're both kind of sister verses when it comes to this. So I got Revelation 22, verse 12. So this is one of the last chapters in the entire Bible. And Jesus says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me 
to give to everyone according to his work. So I guess when it comes to that, talking about the wages of sin is death, this, when it comes to sin, which we just talked about, the wages of sin is death. So if we are attached, if we can say this, if we are attached to sin and God wants to destroy sin, then quite frankly, all of our works, and I know people don't like to talk about works, but quite frankly, every action we do creates the person that we are and every decision we make, you know, inevitably makes who we are. So when it comes to the wages of sin, if we're engaging in these type of things, what are we to expect? Back in Genesis, when God was speaking with Adam and Eve, back in Genesis, he goes, God said something to Adam and Eve. He told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Something that he said about that tree was, lest you, if you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. Now, I just want this clarifying, I guess, point when it comes to this is God did not say to Adam and Eve, if you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I will kill you. No. He said, you will die. Is, is there a difference? Big difference. <laughs> God's not like, oh, they ate, the, they ate from the tree of life and it's like, bam, you're dead. He didn't murder them. Like, that's not how it, but the wages of sin is ultimately death. Right. Uh, we weren't supposed to be dead. We weren't supposed to be dying. We weren't supposed to be decaying. It's once that happened, that's when we got triggered and they were start decaying. We start sinning and sin leads to death. And it's a, and it's an ultimate result of our sin that we will all surely die, except with the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who takes us and says, you know what? Don't worry about it. You can stand in eternity with me. And, and with just capping off from what Wayne said is it's separation from God. So if that death is the wages of sin is death, then that's the ultimate separation from God himself. I heard something that I, um, a while back that just made this whole concept so understanding when it comes to how we're separated. And I thought this was really neat. Now, verses off the top of my head, it's been a long day. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I remember some of the verses that talk about where you have a renewing of your 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 body, you know. Okay, when when uh, the spirit is renewed within you, we we get the great comforter when you get saved. Okay, well, when Adam and Eve died, okay, before that they had perfect fellowship with Christ. They were a they were a perfect being. All right, they were perfect. God designed them perfect. They didn't they didn't sin. They were perfect beings. When they died their spirit died within them. And the Bible talks about this and throughout the Bible. When you get saved, you're again renewed just like Christ and your spirit, this is, this is neat. So your spirit gets revived within you again. So you're, you're again like Christ, okay? In that, in that concept of you now have another spirit within you, which is the Holy Spirit, okay? He gives us a great comforter. And so until God sent his Holy Spirit to re, you know, reinvigorate their body the way it should be, mm. they were dead. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. What was dead in them? 
There's one part that died. And that's the part that separated us between God and us and in what, what defined how the sin acted. And so that's why he sent his great comfort. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit to, to bring us back to the way we should be. And that's why if you really look at that concept in the Bible, it is so much fun to see how basic and simple it was and how it just laid out. And then that's what died. I never thought about that. You know, Christopher, as long as I have, never think that in the garden, they had God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. And then from having the Holy Spirit to not having it, that's, wow. They didn't have that comforter, that power. And for thousands of years, they didn't have it. The saddest thing about that, though, well, I I wouldn't say thousands of years. Actually, throughout all of the Old Testament, they talk about the Spirit of God. But... It, it was it was our it was their choice, and that's the saddest part of all of this. It was their choice to actually side with the what what the Hebrew in the Hebrew it's called the Satan or the enemy, or or the adversary. They sided with him instead of their heavenly Father, and that's where this trend, that's where this death came in when it comes to the when it comes to the wages of sin is death. And uh, I don't know that that's uh, that's awesome. Unless you guys have anything else, we can go ahead and, and jump in. Go ahead, Tom. So my question is going to actually be out for you listeners. I know this is something that I ask myself too, and I don't like to work for nothing. You know, I don't like to, to work knowing that it's all all for nothing. I'm just giving it away. And that's essentially what we're doing when we're, we're, we're living sinfully. We're, we're, we are working our tail off to have nothing, actually like a negative return on whatever we're doing. In the grand scheme of things, you don't you don't have satisfaction. You don't have the, the the joy of your work. You don't have peace. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, you know, if if you know this is sin, if you know this is the wrong way to do it, why why keep tra- treading down that path? And that that that's that's pretty hard. Uh, it's easy to say and easy to fix, but that's uh that's why I brought this up tonight. That's why we wanted to to, to bring this up to you. The, the listeners as well as to us to refresh it. It's really nice and it's like walking through a nice comfortable pair of shoes listening to to to, to, to Paul's message through this. Our, our next stop is uh, Romans 5, 8. Uh, Wayne, do you have that up up there? or? All right, I'm going to go a little bit further up to 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. See, at the time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, his own love, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? I guess I could throw in this last one too. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we're reconciling. Easy for me to say, right? Can I just throw in one thing? 
That last verse made me think of something. Uh, can you throw that back up there, Justin? 623, yeah, that's okay. good. The wages, we spent a lot of time on the wages. There is accountability throughout our lives. We are accountable at our jobs. We're accountable. These five people that are in front of you right now hold each other accountable. The, the group together, because of what we believe and, 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 and where we want to go with this, we're accountable to each other. God holds us accountable for our actions, for the sins that we have in our lives. But the beauty is, and we're coming to that, we're coming to that, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We didn't talk about that very much to my liking. So I just wanted to throw that in. That is something to look forward to. It's something that will erase some things from your life. Um, okay, you can go on to the next one. I know somebody's excited now. <laughs> I see that hand, Mikey. Go ahead. Welcome back, by the way. <laughs> All right, I got to say this. I know, I know I'm, I'm, you're going to love me for this, Wayne. All right. Difference between atonement and reconciliation. Anybody know that one? <laughs> All right. Atonement. Atonement is repairing something that's broken essentially like a relationship that's broke like it's it's I like, it's like non-existent right it's it's broken you have to you have to repair it reconciliation is actually just like a reestablishing something it's like a friendly friendly relationship so you it's already it's there but you're just you're reestablishing it that's the the verse that um I like to reference is Romans, Roman in Romans is uh, in verse 11, okay? And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now receive atonement. I love how it says atonement there. It goes a little bit above reconciliation. He has literally fixed what was broken. What was broken? That spirit. That spirit was dead. It was gone. It was non-existent. So you can't fix something like, like if it's just reconciling it, I can reconcile something with Tom. He's there. If Tom's not there, I can't reconcile with him. I have to literally, I have to find him first. So what God did, he, he ended up saying, Hey, I am fixing a broken relationship that normally would not be able to be fixed. And I'm repairing it to the exact same it was before. And I love that concept. It goes back to that broken spirit where it's like, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And God literally repairs it. It's just a wonderful thought process. And I love how God demonstrates his love towards us in that respect that we do not deserve it. We don't even have that relationship available to us. It's gone. It's completely dis just disappeared. But he, in his love, said, you know what? I'm going to reach out from my side and repair something that's broken that you can't fix. And I just, I just think that's just a phenomenal thought process. When you actually look up atonement and reconciliation, they are nearly one in the same. Uh, because atonement, if you guys know anything about the, the old, man, I don't know, maybe you guys have, have heard of like, you know, they had to bring sacrifices to the temple back in the day, you know, and the, and the temple, when, when they meant 
when Moses helped him set up all this stuff and God gave Moses the, the I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, the prerequisites of how to atone for your sins. And it was, you know, bring a lamb in and all this other stuff, right? The, those celebrate, not celebrations, those ceremonies and stuff that were happening, there was one ceremony that would happen once a year and it was called Yom Kippur. And that literally translated to the English would be, or to the Greek and then the English would be, uh, the Day of Atonement. And what that is, is basically the sins were going into the temple, going and going and going and going all year long. And then one day a year, the sins would leave, quote unquote, leave the temple. And this was the, sim the symbolism. Once a year, it would leave the temple and then it would, it would basically be ascended up into God and God would take the sin upon himself as and we all know this is pointing toward christ you know the interesting thing is the word atonement when you break it down and you look at it it actually spells out at one meant and that is becoming one with god again that is literally what this means it means that there was kind of like what mike was saying there was there was a relationship there it, it god wanted this relationship there to exist because of the sin of the world, it, it was tore asunder, it was ripped apart. But because of atonement, because of reconciliation, we, because of Christ, we are now able, that, that, that option is now able, uh, that option is now available to us, I should say. Christ is the one who's the reconciliation. Christ is the one who brings that atonement and brings us back into the fold with God the way it was meant to be. And, and I think... Uh, I mean, we're keeping back with the topic at hand. We're talking about the Romans road. This is awesome because this helps everybody understand. We just talked about verse one, which was, you know, basically what is sin? Sin leads to death. Okay, well, I, I know I'm in need of a savior. Well, how does that happen? It's through Christ. He's the one who brings us back to God. I love that, Mike, here, because I don't read the King James Version. And like, I'm like, where is he? What are you talking about? Like, I'm seeing reconciliation. And I'm like, and I'm seeing atonement, and I'm, I don't see that word. So I'm, I like, I look it up in King James Version, and it's like, bam, right there. And I need to look that up. If they really have that separate of a definition, that's an important difference in the, in the, in the translation of the scripture right there. And that, so anyway, Mike, awesome that you're here, man. <laughs> no, that's, that's kind of why I brought that up, too, is, is there, it is slightly different. But it, both of them imply that there was or was there was supposed to be a previous relationship there. And that's what exactly, I mean, Mike was going perfect path because there was supposed to be a relationship and atonement or reconciliation brings it back together. Go ahead, Tom. I know we're in Romans, but this reminds me of a verse in John. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, this Romans 5, 8, it said that he demonstrated his love towards us, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. We're sinners. Choice is made to be this way. But yet God decides to give us the entire piggy bank to trust us with everything, to, to give us his son, to say, I know you guys are a mess, but... <laughs> I love you. I love you anyway. Here's my son. He's going to go through. He's going to be the ultimate sacrifice for you guys because I love you so much. I only got one boy, and that's a, a huge sacrifice to make. I, I couldn't even put words on it. I don't think I could do that, honestly. 
if I'm being com- completely transparent, that's a, a sacrifice that I wouldn't be willing to make. But he did it for us to, to reestablish that relationship. He suffered a loss so that he could re- reestablish this connection with us. Man, that, that when, it, when you turn it personal, when you look at what you have, what you'd have to give up to even match to a little nth of what God sacrificed, it just blows my mind every time I think about it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I started thinking about, Tom. I have one son. And if you make it practical and you take it into your being and, and how you operate in your life, could you do that? The love that God showed for us was so unbelievable. And, and, and people use that, they'll probably use that word now, unbelievable. So unbelievable, it's, but it's true. It's true. That love is unbelievable. And you look at your son. Could you do that? Could you do that to any of your daughters? Could you sacrifice them? Do you love somebody else so much that you would sacrifice your own family? I, I one verse just pops into in, into my mind when you brought that up. Both of you guys brought that up, which is uh, when Jesus said, "I and my Father are one." It just it. it I, I once heard this from a book, and I, and it really hasn't hit me until I started studying this kind of stuff. Uh, the writer actually said, "Listen, if God the Father came down instead of God the Son, he said nothing would have changed. Absolutely nothing, because Jesus Himself said." I and the Father are one. They both would have decided this. They both would have done. They both would have done this because, like this verse, like this verse is talking about. This is before five eight. It, just before that, it talks about the hope and the love that God had for us. That's what it was, and I think John three sixteen really wraps this up. So Christ died even for those who per, who we perceive as truly evil or our enemies. Uh, this verse, and let me just read it again. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that the person that you have the hardest time liking, God even died for him or her. Think about this. Two guys, two guys on the cross next to Jesus. Two guys, bad dudes, thieves, uh, wretches. One rejects, one rejects Jesus. The other one says, "Remember me." These are wretched people, and and he, and he, today you'll be with me in paradise. To the one who asked him to remember him. So as much as our human nature says, "No way, dude, no way," but if Saddam Hussein accepted Christ as his personal savior on his deathbed just before he got hung, he would be there. Because God loves us all. He loves us all. Even uh, even while we were still sinners. Even while we're still sinners. Yeah, good point. Thanks for throwing I gotta, that I got a good, I got to jump in here. I got to say this. So well, I, I love this, this concept. And this is what I talk to my kids about sometimes. Because I had a person ask me. And he was an unsaved gentleman. I worked with him. And he asked me point blank. He said, why is it so important for you to tell me about the gospel and about your God when I don't even care. What is it? Why is it so important for you to tell me? What is, why do you have to tell me about this? Is it something that, you know, what do I mean to you? And I said, 
Well, one, I believe that Christ died for me and what he did for me was unbelievable. Like it's, is unspeakable gift as the bible says i tell my kids this i say if i went to the store and i bought a bunch of groceries even if i dropped the eggs on the floor they were still mine when i bought them and i and, you know i might have busted one but guess what i still want them because they're mine okay and i i paid for those i still want them and, pancakes in the morning you know what? I still and, and so when it comes to that concept, Christ paid for everyone. Every single Even person that has ever exists, he paid for them. He wants what he paid for. He doesn't care if they're broken and busted, he still wants them because he paid for them. And if you think about that, and then I, I responded to this, man, I said, I, if it's the only thing I can do, he deserves to get what he paid for, don't he? I just want him to get what he paid for. He paid for you. All I can do is tell other people Amen. that he paid for them. That's the least I could do. If somebody died for him in, in a fire and rescued him, they would want to know, hey, who was that firefighter that died for me? I want to know his name. What, you know, he sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice. Christ did the ultimate sacrifice. He rescued everybody and he paid for everybody. He took that penalty. He took that wage upon himself. He took the beating. And he took it all above any man. He deserves what he get. He he. You know. He. I love this scripture, and I, I wanted to throw this out. Second Corinthians nine fifteen. Simple little verse, and it really says a lot in this little tiny verse. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. I love it. So, not well, only are you like we use this all the time to for for new for new believers, uh, like when you're sharing the gospel, a lot of people throw this out, but. For a Christian, 5-8 in combination with 5-9, the one right afterwards, really helped solidify my faith when I was a young Christian and trying to understand Christianity. And like that's one thing that took actually a barrier away from me from being able to actually get close to God and having a like what I have now, a relationship with Jesus where I know God. And it's with the, the second one because it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, so before we accepted Jesus Christ, God loved us so much that Christ died for us. Christ took, went up on the cross and died for us while we were sinners. Then the next portion, so here's where I was having as a Christian, I became a Christian and then thinking that I had to live at a standard that it's too hard to maintain, that every time I messed up, I, I would almost lose my salvation. And I, and I was like, God help me, God forgive me, God help me, God forgive me. But in, in Romans 5, 9, it says it, therefore, now that you've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? A.K.A. So now that you're his, now that you're in his family, that he doesn't have to die multiple times for you on the cross for every single one of your sins. That one time, that Amen. one time he died on the cross is all you need one for him to say, you walk from death into life and you will become you went from 
not being in 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 the party group to being a, uh, to being saved to being part of the to being part of the family what year was mm -hmm. that israel Amen. oh man yep that um rick rick baker asked the question what year was that israel when when i was like i gave my life fully gave my life at like 16 in in an um non-denominational christian church in connecticut and from 16 to 19 20 22 I was, I was I was in church, but I was always having that hard time trying to live up to a high standard. It's when I started studying more and speaking with my an elder of an of a church. His name was Willie Trujillo, and he was sharing. And we were in the Bible while we were working together. The the concept of knowing your salvation and how do you know if you're saved, whether or not like I'm saved. Oh, I can't be saved. Oh, I'm saved. Oh, I messed up. Oh, I'm saved. I'm <laughs> Not how God wants us to live. <laughs> to be to go from I'm saved to oh no, I lost my salvation. I'm saved to I lost my salvation. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, I, I just want to hammer home what you just said. The, just saying that he only has to die on the cross one time. I love that. That's what I was gonna say. But I love that you said that. And I think that everybody as a new Christian has that same struggle with the uh with the standard there's a standard you have to remember that god still loves you even though you make mistakes and you can go back to him and you can seek that forgiveness that he gives because he does love you just i mean and think about how you are with your own children when they come to you they need you they're broken we've talked about this you guys have brought this up our, our, our kids get hurt, they're broken, and they come to us seeking that, um, I, I want to say reconciliation, but I think it's the love that they get. That, that assurance. The, the assurance, yeah, good word, good word. Thank you, Israel. I appreciate what you just said. One time, brother, one time, one time. The last stop on our road is in chapter 10. Now, I'm going to go... Uh, a little bit before it, verse 5, chapter 10, verse 5. And uh, Paul's writing, Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law, which would be the Ten Commandments. And he says, The person who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that is by faith says, Don't say it in your heart, don't, don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. So what does this mean? He was just quoting Moses, so he's asking them now, what does this mean? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it is in your heart. That is, the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess with your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So Tom, go ahead and summarize that in, in a package that we can chew on. Yeah, that, that was quite a bit. Basically what he's saying is that Moses already talks about living righteously. By, by living by the Ten Commandments, you're living righteous. And so you already know the law, but it's a, a completely different thing to know it and to live it, to hold it in your heart and then to act it out. And this is a whole connection here, a connection between your head and your heart, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you can believe something and then keep it inside, but if you don't show it to everybody, then it's not really going to be part of your culture. It's not going to be part of who you are. But the second that you speak it, it becomes real. It becomes something tangible. And the more that you speak it, the more you hold yourself accountable and the more that you let everybody know that you believe what you believe and that you say and you walk the talk, that if you confess with your mouth, you are saying that I am a Christian, that I believe in God. Now, the same thing goes reverse. If you just say that, oh, I believe in God, I believe in God, but you don't believe it here, then that's going to show through in your works too. You can go through and, 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 and talk about it all day long. So my question here is, what do you do with this information? What can be done? What, what, what can we do to use this information knowing that there's a connection between your head and your heart? I always think about this, as you said, it's pretty simple. Uh, belief. The devil believes in God. I think he probably believes in God more than most quote-unquote saved folks do. So my thought is, what's how come how come he is not a, a going to heaven per se? How come he is not? A, you know, I, I always find that question interesting. Well, devil believes in God, so how, you know, what's the difference in belief? And uh, I think you hit it there, Tom. It talks about the heart. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about the heart and how God deals with the heart and how wicked it is and things like that and how you know how you can't know it and things like that. Having that step that we take, that we haven't seen God like the devil has. We haven't, we haven't seen him in the concept and in, in reality of how he's, he's seen him. And so for us to step out on faith, uh, the Bible does talk about how, how much faith it takes to believe in God. And, and having that faith, it's not much. But having a little bit of faith and then truly believing in your heart that God did exactly what he said he, he did. And that he provided the gift. He provided that, that salvation, as some put it. He provided the way out. He, he wants us to be accepted. So all we have to do is then accept it. And so when you believe something wholeheartedly, yeah, it's going to come out. Uh, if you believe in a product, if you believe in something, you start talking about it, you start doing it. And that's how we do things as our, in our life. Yes, you should have an outward appearance, but it's also something that's inward that God's going to look at. And that's a relationship between you and God. And it's not a hypocrisy. It's not just saying it. It's also actually real within you. And when it's real like that, it does come out and people, they do know the difference between somebody that's just talking the talk and something who's walking the talk.
I, I think that's, and that's awesome because like what you just said with what we have in our hearts and what, whatever we truly believe in, we're going to engage and we're going to share with, and, and, and it's going to, it's literally going to just start eking out and oozing out of our lives in a, in a very real way. Sorry for the image, uh, where every single thing that we believe that, that passionately, it's just going to become a, a second nature of, of who we are. And I think Jesus kind of points this out in, uh, Matt, this is Matthew chapter five. Many people know this as the Beatitudes, but I would highly suggest reading the whole chapter. And it's, it's not a, a huge chapter. It's probably like a page, page and a half. But I believe over five times he says, you have heard it said, but I say. And each time he references the heart. And, and he, he just, this whole chapter is talking about the heart. So like he talks about adultery. You have heard it said, like the example, uh, adultery. Uh, he says, you have heard it said, but I say. So he said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, if you so much as look in lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart already. Okay. The whole point is, is Jesus is saying, listen, you can sin in your heart. In every, everything in your life out here, externally, physically, in the physical world, it starts inside. Like Eve, and let me just, and maybe I can pose this question to you guys. When did Eve actually sin? Was it when she actually took that fruit off the tree and took a bite? Or was it when she made that full-blown decision, I am going to do this and no one is going to stop me? Where did the sin actually start? According when to what the Beatitudes say. Adam. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> what did you say when she yeah. gave it to Adam? <laughs> yeah, maybe the sin started with him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we got to bring a girl onto these these episodes, guys, because yeah. <laughs> we're very well, one sided here. Bible didn't, <laughs> didn't think she took it and like ran and found it, Adam. She was like, "Here you go." And she gave yeah, it to him. Right yeah. Scripture says she gave it to him. <laughs> he was right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I've got to say, when, when, I, when I see Adam in heaven, I'm going to ask some questions here. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. That's one of my top bucket list items. Right. Another one Another one is, and I know this is off topic, but another one is uh, Jacob was going to get his wife for... And, he got a Leah instead of a Rachel. Right, he got a Leah instead of a Rachel. Okay, hold on. He got the, did he, he got the not... Of the beautiful one. Right? Did he not yeah. realize that whole celebration during the wedding and during the night and not until morning when he woke up that he was with the wrong chick? <laughs> Come on. That's ridiculous. sorry. I'm sorry. That's just a bucket list thing. But okay, Tom, you had, you had your hand up, Tom. No, I was just going to say that the Adam is probably going to give us the classic guy story. You know, she threw it at me. <laughs> She ate it and then chucked it at me from across the garden. I'm kidding. So I I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your wife's going to chuck one at you. <laughs> if you don't see me next Thursday, you know that I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> Send help. Oh, you well, guys, I, if nobody has anything else to add to this, I'd like to wrap it up and with a, a thanks for uh, everyone listening, for everyone joining us. Before we sign off, though, hey, Mike, would you want to lead people in the sinner's prayer? Sure. For those that are watching, for those that 
that want are interested in taking that step that 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 believe that wants to uh, go start or even go deeper with your relationship with God. Mike's going to speak the words. You just repeat it in your heart because God will even tell from the groans of your of your soul. Uh, the Holy Spirit will translate that. So go ahead, Mike. All right, dear Lord, uh, follow after me I and mean, do it in your own words. You don't have to have it word for word like Tom said. The, the concept is there. And uh, let's... Let's. Uh, I'm just going to lead you in a example prayer. You can repeat after me. You can say it like me, or you just mean it in your heart because God knows the heart, and that's where it starts. So, dear Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. I know I'm a sinner. I know that even just the smallest sin has created a, a rift or a barrier between you and me, and I would like to fix that, but I can't. But you did something for me, God. You gave that wonderful gift of Jesus and, and what he did on the cross. And I believe what he did. And I believe that he did it for me. And because of my sin, he did that. And God, I, I pray you would just forgive me for my sin. Please cleanse me from the guilt and from the shame of that sin. I pray you would just become my Savior and my Lord, and I believe that you rose again and are in heaven now. And, and God, I believe you did exactly what you said, and I believe and accept the gift that you are giving. Please accept my words, and, and God, I pray you would just help me to tell somebody of what I just did because I don't want to be ashamed because you were not ashamed to go up to that cross for me. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this has been Tom. This is Wayne. This is Israel. This has been Mike. Uh, this has been Justin. Thank you all for your time tonight. We'll see you guys again next week. Well, hello again. I hope you had a great time. If you ever want to reach out to that chili crew, you can find them on the interwebs. You can find them in the Book of Faces, a Twittering Bird, and now also on a YouTube. YouTube. Who makes up these names? Anyway, and if you want to be part of the conversation, the chili crew every Thursday at 7 p.m. will go live on Facebook. Especially during this time, it's great to hear from anyone. I tell you right now, the UPS man has become my new best friend. Well, I hope you all stay safe. And Lord bless you. <laughs>